Hey, Scott, we're going to make a sequel to Star Trek Generations. That sounds great. Captain Picard, quiet, reserved, always considers his conscience. Yeah. Snooze! Boring. Oh. Now he's a bloodthirsty man of action who does chin-ups. Okay. His foe? The Borg. Okay, well, that's awesome. A race of cybernetic beings governed by a collective mind, right? That's correct. Wrong! Now they're controlled by a single individual who takes data to the cyber bone town. Uh, what? I bet you're thinking the Borg leader has a cool name like Locutus. Well, that stands to reason. Twist! Uh, Her name is Borg Queen. Okay, Greg, I'm going to stop you there. I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. I am your fill-in host, Scott. Colin has uh, taken an early vacation before the rest of us, off cruising in the Bahamas, forgetting is, all about is that. Bad where movies. he went? I honestly have no idea. He <laughs> probably is just down in like Lethbridge or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, Colin had better things to do than sit through. Uh, sort Another of crummy bad movie. TNG movie, <laughs> yeah. and uh, do a podcast on it. So uh, I'm stepping into his shoes to introduce the show. I am your host, Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm joined, as always, by... Greg Beaver. And today, our special guest... Uh, Evan Adams. Well, we've chosen a movie to cover today, um, which is another Star Trek movie. Our second Star Trek movie. That's right. We're uh, working our way through the TNG movies. Before I came along, uh, back in the days of yore, back in the before times... Uh, Greg and Colin had Adam Rosenhart and Sam Power on to uh, talk about Star Trek Generations. And it was our intention to have them back to do the sequel. I feel so good now. (laughs) I won Star Trek trivia. Uh, But alas, uh, much like Colin, their schedule was all filled up as well. So uh, we brought in second stringer Evan. (laughs) Uh, noted but first stringer by virtue of being here, though. That's true, and <laughs> and noted expert on Star Trek as well to uh, to do this. So uh, we are doing the sequel to Star Trek Generations, the controversial Star Trek First Contact, a movie that came out November twenty second, nineteen ninety six, uh, Paramount Pictures film. Uh, it's directed by Jonathan Frakes, who uh, some of you might recognize as a member of the cast. Uh, it was written by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Ronald D. Moore, though a writing credit does, of course, go to Gene Roddenberry for the story. Uh, it was made with a budget of $45 million U.S., grossed about $92 million domestically, around $156 million worldwide. Actually did much better uh, in the domestic box office than it did in the global box office, but uh, definitely made its money back, and therefore they went back and I guess, I guess technically it did. Did it make all of its, make its money back after... Um, advertising. Oh, that's a good question. I did not. It's always a that. question, but at the end of the day, the only numbers we have are these. That's yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, in this era, most of these movies made their money back and then some just because of DVD sales afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's a little bit tougher now, obviously. I'm curious what their opening weekend was because they opened the game Space Jam. Uh, they were number one. <laughs> did they really? They did. They. Were, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I didn't write down the actual week one take, but I do know that they opened number one at the box office. So nice. they definitely beat Space Jam the week that they came out. Uh, of take course, that, Michael Jordan. Pretty much the entire cast from. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation is back, including uh, some bit parts. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, of course, back as Picard. Jonathan Frakes, our director, playing uh, Commander Riker. Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, all back as their bridge crew members. Uh, we also have Alfre Woodard joining us as Lily and James Cromwell uh, being Zephram Cochran, an absolute Star Trek alum. Yeah, he's, all, he's in everything. How he's, many yeah. how many aliens has he portrayed in the TNG? <laughs> yes, nice, this nice is the first time I think we've seen him without like some weird loaf sure. on his face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alice Krieg joins us as the uh, Borg Queen, uh, problematic character. We'll get to shortly, uh, and then a bunch of uh, bit players showing up as well. Robert Picardo uh, reprising his Voyager role as the EMH. Dwight Schultz as uh, Lieutenant Barkley. Majel Barrett, of course, as the computer voice. Patty Yasutake as Nurse Ogawa. And uh, 
a young, fresh-faced Adam Scott <laughs> as so the con officer on the Defiant in the opening battle in the movie. So a uh, little hats off to Ben Wyatt, Adam Scott, uh, making an appearance in a Star Trek film. There's also Ensign Hawk. Oh, yes. <laughs> I can't remember the actor's name right now. So forgettable, I didn't even put him in the <laughs> cast. Oh, boy. He was one of those like, that guys, though. Kind of. Yeah, now he's like a guy guy. But back then, he was one of that guys. <laughs> he was he was definitely that guy. So uh, before we get into it, let's, uh, let's hear a little bit of movie trailer magic. In his nightmares, he can see them. In his mind... He can hear them. Look, Judas. In his soul, he can feel them. I've just received a report from Deep Space Five. Long-range sensors have picked up. Yes, I know. The Vorg set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Now, in Earth's darkest hour, he must fight them again. Captain, Earth. Life signs. Population approximately 9 billion. All Borg. How? Time travel. They went back and assimilated Earth. Changed history. I must follow them back. Repair whatever damage they've done. In the 24th century, the crew of the Enterprise E has been ordered to patrol the Romulan neutral zone by the Federation to avoid interference with their battle against the insidious Borg. Witnessing the loss of the battle, Captain Jean-Luc Picard ignores orders and takes command of the fleet engaging the Borg. But the Borg plan to travel back into the 21st century through a vortex with the intention to stop Earth's first contact with an alien race called the Vulcans. Following the Borg sphere, Picard and his crew realize they have taken over the Enterprise in order to carry out their mission. Their only chance to do away with the Borg and their seductive queen is to make sure that Zephram Cochran makes his famous faster-than-light travel to the stars. <laughs> that is the IMD plot summary for Star Trek First Contact. So for, for a movie that's called First Contact, uh, it's kind of confusing what the Borg's pl- actual plan is. Uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, do not look too closely at that <laughs> that scheme. <laughs> like, if you're going to build your movie around, like, this concept of, like, uh, the Borg going back in time and changing the future by stopping first contact, they should that should at least be their clear goal. But they seem, it seems to vary wildly between, we're going to stop first contact and uh, we're just going to back, go back to the past to assimilate the human race. Yeah, the, I remember an argument that was made a, a while ago that the Borg had realized that they couldn't defeat the Federation now, so they decided to make it so the Federation never happened, a very, like, Terminator kind of Doesn't that sound thing. sort of very uh, un-Borg-like? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's a they're symptom... A broom, they're a hammer, not a... Yeah, it's yeah, a symptom scum. of the lazy writing in this movie, um, in that they really didn't put a lot of thought into what the Borg's actual scheme is, and they didn't really pay much attention to the lore from the TV show, which is surprising because the movie was written by the people who wrote the TV show and directed by a guy who was on the TV show. There was a decision somewhere made by someone. Maybe I'll put that in quotes because I'm pretty sure it was Rick Berman. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Because he was in charge of all the the, uh, Next Generation movies, and they all have some sort of action bent to them. That's uh, sort of confusing. So yeah, like they, he, there was a decision made somewhere that they were going to make a Star Trek action movie, and uh, I, I, I suspect that that's part of that idea came from. Well, Wrath of Khan was everyone's favorite of the original series movies, and that one had a lot of action, uh, and they wanted to bring back, you know, the uh, the TNG crew's uh, biggest foe, hence the Borg. Uh, and they, I guess they figured that that was going to going to give it, deliver the biggest block. <laughs> but here's, here's the other counterpoint to that. Wrath of Khan is remembered as this action movie, but it's really not. No, it's, it's a, a submarine slow burn movie. Submarine yeah, it's movie. Submarine, yeah, it's a thriller, if anything. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's tense and it's great, and I'm not, uh, I'm not discounting that. But to call it an action movie is actually a tremendous disservice to the Wrath of Khan. It has a good ending. That's absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah. Now it, it is worth noting that. Um, 
In the original version of this film, the uh, focus of the story was on Earth, not on the Enterprise. And that's because Picard was down on Earth trying to help the first contact go through while Riker was holding the fort, fighting the Borg on the ship. Right. And apparently Sir Patrick decided that he did not want that to happen. And so he wanted to be the action guy. And so they flipped the script. And so suddenly it became Picard was up on the ship fighting the Borg and Riker was down on the planet helping Zephram Cochran, uh, basically reversing kind of their roles yeah. because Riker's the action yeah. guy and Picard's the diplomat. Also, they ended up having to turn up what was going on in the Enterprise to focus more on what Picard was doing. And I think that that adds to kind of the tonal problems with the movie. It helps, it, it adds to the, the feeling that there's two kind of disjointed plots going on. It helps explain why Picard is so out of character and kind of why yeah. Riker doesn't have yeah. much to do. And uh, you can tell that it was it was a change they made, again, lazily, without really doing much to fix the script around it. Yeah. When when I heard that, I was like, oh. And you know, so it's funny because, like, uh, throughout the entire um, plot of the movie, the people who are on Earth don't ever know what's happening on the Enterprise. So there's really worry in that yeah, there's, there's no real stakes there. For yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, during Zephyr and Cochran, Cochran's run, like they have no idea that they're about to be shot at or anything right, like that, yeah. which could create some interesting tension yeah. in that, you know, in that run, but they, they just decided not to do that. They're so, yeah, they're really cut off from each other. Hey, and there's so much, there's so little tension in the movie. Uh, which is weird because they're fighting the Borg through most of the movie. Like, even, like, the opening battle scene, which is pretty okay, kind of. Like, the Borg cube gets chumped in less time than it takes for the credits to roll at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's and, the overture. And then, like, after that, it's like, well, the Borg are not really much of a threat now, are they? Because they just got blasted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that mostly exists just to get Worf back on the Enterprise. Oh, I've got thoughts about that. That's, <laughs> that's coming up in that. changes, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's back this up just to, just a, a second, because we typically, when we analyze films, we take them for the movies that they are. We sort of look at them structurally and stuff like that. Um, I think because uh, we're all pretty big Star Trek nerds that we're actually going to come at this from a little bit of a different angle and and especially for me because i think that this movie um is you know probably like a c plus b sort of action film uh if you take the trek out of it but because it is a star trek movie um there's so much about the star trekness of it that i really dislike i i dislike that the borg are in it at all i dislike the time travel. I dislike the character changes to uh, Picard, um, you know, and I and I dislike sort of like the the retconning of the of the Borg as well, where they are not uh, a singular hive mind. They are for some reason controlled by a queen that was. I guess they they almost kind of like retcon her into the the well, original best of both worlds. Yeah, they're like they have this scene at the end where Picard's like. Yeah, you were there. I I remember that sort of, you know, it's it's just yeah. it's so it's so poorly done and uh, and as a as a Star Trek nerd, it uh, it drove me nuts throughout. Uh this feeds into a bit of a problem where I don't know who the audience for this movie is. Because if they're trying to dumb it down and not bother with the 7 years of TV continuity, um, to make it accessible to a general audience, they've kind of failed. And if they're trying to appeal directly to Star Trek fans, they have totally failed. <laughs> because, again, they've not bothered to pay attention to seven years of television continuity. And I, d I don't know why they made some of the choices they made, and I don't know why they made some of the, re uh, the retcons that they made. It's just, it's really puzzling to me. Some of the choices that were made in this script. Yeah, watching Picard throughout this movie is really um, kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, because he is he is supposed to be this intellectual, and he, he always leads with his conscience first, and, and, he's, and he's so 
bloodthirsty and and ready to yeah, Lily's right when she's yeah, calling him out. Yeah, like that. he's ready he's ready to murder the, at a moment's notice. I mean, it, it, the 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 thing about this whole arc of of Picard having to learn um to ease up on his revenge. Yeah. That sort of arc has already been was already done in the episode Family yeah, uh, of like the Hugh episode, oh, right? That too, yeah, that too, right. Yeah. Because in in that uh, in that episode of TNG, you know, Picard's faced with this dilemma where you know they can implement a virus into this little Borg named Hugh that they find uh, uh, stranded on a planet, uh, and that he would take that virus back into the collective. And thus uh, destroying the entire collective. But so he basically has a choice: like, do I rid the Federation of a mortal enemy, or or and commit genocide, or or not? Right? And he he in the end decides the not third to. option. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so we've seen this plot, and we've seen it done better. And it's even weirder when you're when you're a big Star Trek fan and you're watching this, and sort of like this, you know, the the first contact is much later in the continuity. So you're like, okay, uh, he's already done this. Um, also, you know, he's fought the Borg before, so why are they leaving him yeah, out <laughs> at the beginning of this movie? They he gets specifically sidelined because he's he's too close to it or whatever mm-hmm. because of his PTSD. But in the two part episode, The Descent, where uh, which is the direct continuation of that Hugh storyline, where Lore, Data's evil brother, gets his hands on a bunch of rogue Borg and goes on a rampage. Picard is specifically chosen by Starfleet to lead the task force to find the Borg because of his experience with the Borg. Yeah. So it's, again, this is just an example of this movie not paying attention to the television series, not paying attention to its own lore in order to facilitate telling a story. Yeah. Well, um, I guess maybe we should talk about um, some of the things that we we actually liked from the movie. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, uh, we've we've kind of talked talked around uh, a little bit of our overall feelings about the film. But how about we how about we use that as the segue into some keeps and some cuts? So uh, just throw them out there. It doesn't need to be specifically keeps and then cuts. Just stuff that you liked from the movie. You'd like to keep in it. Stuff that you would best leave. I, I think that, I think I'm kind of torn on some keeps and cuts because, like, in some ways, I want to keep the uh, the Captain Ahab scene, the the very famous scene the that uh, most people would know from this movie, where Picard gets into a huge argument with uh, with Lily, and uh, and then he has the famous line, you know, about. Um, um, uh, well, <laughs> something, something, something. We fall back. They assimilate yes. entire races. We fall back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. The line must be drawn here, no further. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good Patrick Stewart stuff. It's it's really well acted. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, still like pretty out of character for Picard, but just especially the end of that uh, speech when he says, "And I will make them pay for what, what they've, they've done. done," and you're yeah. like, "Okay, you know, it was good up until that point." So, I, like, I, I I like that scene, but I also don't like it at the at the same time. It's it's just I like it that those actors get to shine in, in yeah. that scene. I like that part a lot, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, I really dig that scene. It's not characteristic, but thinking about that, if you were to watch Best of Both Worlds and then go right into First Contact, you'd be like, okay. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would make sense if it was like a direct sequel to Which I feel people. like is what they were expecting or something. It, it definitely makes sense if you disregard all of the character development and continuity <laughs> exactly, that came yeah. after the best of both worlds. That is correct. Which I feel like is what they tried to, like with Wrath of Khan, they kind of took that similar approach of like, we'll take this and then see what happened later on. But yeah, in this case, they, they, they took one episode with the Borg, the best episode with the Borg, and then just forgot everything else. They're like, okay, let's start here. Yeah. Seven seasons later, or no, how many years is that? And then also changed the Borg to make them Complete. more vulnerable. Yeah, kind and of. Give them a face. They're yeah. kind of they're kind of cut. like more powerful because they can the is, they thing. can assimilate people really quickly, but but also less powerful. Can I add that I have a problem with Picard being like, if you see some of your crewmates taken over the by the Borg, just shoot them. Just take him out. You'll be doing them a favor. You'll be doing them a favor, as though he himself was not like saved from being a member of the Borg. <laughs> Like oh, they're they're too far gone, but you the you who were leading an attack on Earth could be saved. Just like, so, talk just, about hypocrisy. Just so we're clear, guys, if I get taken, you you guys you guys save my. You ass. guys do every. You guys storm the Borg ship to bring me back and save me. But if anybody else gets taken, just shoot them directly between the eyes. Yeah. You're doing them a favor. 
And he even does that to one of them. Yep. I want to be in the writer's room when someone said, hey, let's have Picard shoot a board with a Tommy gun well, and, and see, they <laughs> see turned, the reaction on people's faces. They turned the Borg into zombies, basically. Yeah. yeah. Zombies, zombies. zombies with a with a queen bee. Yeah, they made them boring. It's And it was the beginning of the end, like come Voyager, where they're just, yeah. like a, They're a joke. They're a zombie plague, and that's about it. Yeah. It just assimilate everything. It doesn't matter if they're necessary or not. Yeah, because when they were introduced, they were only interested in... Uh, assimilating technologically advanced species to acquire their technology because they wanted to maintain their technological superiority. When they first encountered the Enterprise, they were uninterested in the people on board. They were, the they were barely interested in the ship itself. Yeah. Like that's that's what the Borg were originally about. So yeah. this was a huge change for them. Yeah. Also, they had baby Borg in that one, which is something that still. Bugs me because I'm like, what about the baby Borg? <laughs> Whatever happened to that baby yeah, Borg? No one's explained that. Now they just assimilate people. Yeah. They, they didn't assimilate a single thing. I, the- my my head cannon, Hugh was that baby Borg. <gasps> grown up a few years later. Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> and well, then, that was that was another string of things that we that we hated. <laughs> but this section's about darn. keeps, guys. Yes, yeah, so there was that one keeping? scene that we really like. Okay, <laughs> okay, I would keep I would keep the redesign of the Enterprise. Okay, the, the Sovereign class is a pretty. It's is a probably the ship. best design of a ship I've seen in Star Trek. Um, I would keep bringing back Worf, but I have some changes that go along with that, which I will get into later on. But uh, I'm okay with bringing Worf back, and I'm okay with having the Defiant in the fa- uh, fight with the it Borg ship. It was built for that purpose. Because that's what the Defiant was built for, yes. Yeah. We're getting real Trek nerdy. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> yeah, well, we warned everybody off the top. That's, that's what this is about. That's true. Um I would keep the um, the bar scene with Deanna when she gets drunk. I thought that was actually quite a lot of fun. Yeah, except for the, the I can't keep his hands off of me line, which is a little, I used to think was fun, but now it kind of disturbs me. Didn't, sure. didn't yeah. age all that well? Yeah. I mean, Comedy's only good for 10 years, they say. Yeah, this is a, this is a 90s movie after yeah, all. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I would keep the soundtrack. Actually. Sure. Yeah, a lot of people really like the soundtrack in this soundtrack. movie. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I don't, I don't love it. I don't dislike it at all. I just, I'm kind of indifferent to it. But uh, <laughs> I do know that that uh, it is quite uh, yeah. well loved. I think it's one of Goldsmith's last ones too, as I recall, before he died. So, uh, I'd keep Robert Picardo because he's a delight. And I don't care how we keep that EMH scene in this movie. <laughs> we keep that EMH scene in this movie. <laughs> there is a if you get the chance. Um, do a YouTube search for uh, Robert Picardo explains how he bribed his way onto First Contact. It is it's a really delightful story, and he tells it well. So definitely check that out. I would keep a zero G battle on the hull of the ship of some kind. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, and it, it was, was it was. You know, the other really thing about that is shoot, that 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 particular scene is sort of unique to Star Trek. So I don't yeah. like you don't see a lot of EVAs in Star Trek. You know, no, uh, that, Spock, after that point, we saw it more Spock in the first movie, right? And, yeah, and uh, then you almost have to go all the way to the J.J. Abrams movies to get to another one. Yeah, Voyager had a few. They used the same costumes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you have a TV show in a movie franchise. Yeah, you steal the all time. the. Uh, like, all oh, the hey, we got all the stuff we can use now. <laughs> Yeah, they see that Deep Space Nine stole all the uniforms, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, after this movie came out, Deep Space Nine got a big uniform upgrade. Man, that uniform... The, the uniforms throughout this time period are a mess. Yeah. <laughs> that said, uh, I would argue that the uniforms do look good. Oh, they're very so good. So yes, definitely these, I think these are actually my favorite Star Trek uniforms of this, easily. Of this they're, era. They're yeah. easily the most comfortable ones for the actors. Like, sure, you can yeah. tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's some nightmare uniforms. Although I, I often wonder how many layers they're actually wearing. Not, not necessarily actors. Janeway but, makes but, you wonder but, about that. Yeah. But in ca- in canon, uh, like they have you know their their vest with the gray yokes, right? Yeah. And then they've got the uh, the red shirt underneath. Yeah. And then later on, Picard takes off like all of that. And he's too. still got like yeah. a, a wife beater on. <laughs> and know? even when they had the gray the gray undershirt, say, Janeway really... had the same thing. She had like three layers. It looked like yeah. all the time when she you know. You can tell she's going to be tough because that would happen. I shouldn't say wife beater anymore. That's not a, that's not a good name for that shirt. It's just a tank top, right? <laughs> tank top, undershirt, yeah. any of those. I apologize. Uh, that, that said, I would uh, cut that uh, tank top uniform for Picard. I think that... Uh, yeah, how so you got to see a 60-year-old muscles. Yeah, I don't think we need jail pipes. Surprisingly buff <laughs> under that uniform. <laughs> he did yeah i wonder if he was working out a little bit he didn't he didn't look bad he didn't i mean he's still 
he's still kind of an older man, so his like his 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 forearms look kind of gangly thin, but he looks <laughs> okay. Jackman. Modern Hugh Jackman For Patrick problem. Stewart bulking <laughs> yeah. up, I think that was pretty good. Yeah, I was really surprised. And to the, even when I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, wow, I keep forgetting that like, he's doing chin-ups. <laughs> yeah, and he does it in the next movie, too. He has, like, a That's scene right. where he's, like, hanging off of pipes or something like that. And I'm like, why do they keep getting, like, Patrick Stewart to do this? It's very strange. It's because Patrick wanna... Stewart wanted to be an action star, and this was his opportunity to do it. Lord knows he didn't get a chance to do it with Professor X. Nope. <laughs> Um, He's choosing a lot of the wrong characters. And when, you, yeah. and when you've got the pull that Patrick Stewart has with the creators of the show at this juncture, you can just tell them what you want to do. Well, and they'll yeah. write that into the movie, which they famously did in a couple of the future movies, where he was like, I want to raise some dune buggies. Yeah. <laughs> and so they they wrote that scene into uh, Star Trek oh, Nemesis. To Nemesis. I feel yeah. like we're throwing Patrick Stewart under the bus because he was bored. And, <laughs> And Sir Patrick Stewart is a very good actor. I do want to quantify all of my <laughs> statements with that. But uh, this is one of those cases where maybe you need to, you know, tell an actor no from time to time. Yeah, I mean, um, let's face it. Like, everything that happens after the uh, the uh, conclusion of the, the TV series is not good. And, and I personally uh, don't consider the TNG movies canon. <laughs> I would be okay with that. And this is a conversation perhaps we'll get into in a future episode of the show. <laughs> in fact, we will get into uh, it. But yes, I would agree that I would consider the TV show to be like A canon and the movies to be like B canon. They're, Inspired they're kind of, by the TV show. <laughs> but but its own separate thing. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to point out. I mean, if you think about all the serious changes to the characters and, and, and uh, villains and things like that, it really is almost like an entirely different universe. Which the original series films did too. We were talking about that earlier. But the original series films did that to the characters in a lot of ways as well. It's just the nature of like Trek on film is that it's just it doesn't quite work as well. It's such a high concept series that yeah. condensing it down into a two hour film and trying to get all of that through and have people of, like it and have people like it kind of falls flat. You don't you don't have a whole television series to kind of spell out your thesis. You've got two hours to do it and. Yeah. Trek doesn't really lend itself well to that, it seems. And I only say that because it has trouble churning out good movies. Another thing, too, is like Star Trek, um, for for being a sci-fi series, really isn't isn't much of a spectacle. No, it's no, not it's an average series. Yeah, it's a very heady series, and it's 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 a show about um, you know holding up a mirror to humanity and 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 putting humanity into uh, very difficult trying situations yeah. and, and and complex like moral quandaries right and and um and while that can't be a good movie uh it's more i guess it's more like a good art house movie than it would be like an, an action film like the original star trek film yeah like the motion picture basically yeah yeah <laughs> great trek bad film <laughs> so uh on the on the subject of keeps and cuts um would you guys cut one of the two stories this movie is trying to tell like cut an entire story. Like would yes. would this movie be better served <laughs> if it was just the Borg or just time travel? My feeling is yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And you can tell that these are writers that that are writing TV because they want to have an A plot and a B plot and a, maybe a C plot even. Yeah. And uh, it yeah, and it didn't it did not hit the mark. No. <laughs> it was almost confusing. It was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find it. I didn't find it confusing. I just. It's just. It doesn't mesh very well together. The tone like shifts are pretty severe. Well, there's. There's just no. Um, you know what's happening on the on the planet just doesn't af- doesn't affect or marry to Picard's plot at all. And because uh, they're, they're as you mentioned off the top, they're so separated. Yeah. That it doesn't feel like the two plots are feeding each other. Yeah. Really. The yeah, most I mean, tension is, you, is Data's on their on their side or not? At the let, end. Let's take let's take Star Trek Generations. Dare I say, mm. as a good example of A and B plots, because mm. Captain Picard on the start of Generations uh, experiences a death in the family, and now the normally stoic uh, Captain Picard has to deal with uh, this uh, really high emotional uh, thing that's going on in his life, but he has to sort of he bury it. A surviving member of his family. Yeah. Meanwhile, Data in plot b gets his you know his and they they put his emotion chip in him and he's and now he suddenly has to deal with emotions and at the uh, uh, as his emotions are hitting its height he has to learn how to suppress them just like picard right so they marry to one another 
Um, you just and, identified the best parts of generations, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and, there, and there's really none of that in uh, in First Contact. Oh, that reminds me of another thing I would cut. Well, actually. I should say that. Sorry, before you before you continue, they try to have um, the I, like. I think I think the idea is that you know when they go back to uh, this point in time in, uh, on Earth. You know the the humans are supposed to be more savage, right? Hmm. And 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 Picard is more savage. The Picard so contrast. so theoretically, it's supposed to be them. You know these two uh, savage people, sort of like following this arc of being less savage, I guess. But like you don't really get a great sense of like humans on the on Earth being. And Lily's the closest thing, and she's violent at first, and then calms down pretty quickly. Yeah, and she's like the reasonable one, like pretty much throughout the whole uh, yeah, film. So that, it doesn't yeah. really work the way I think the way that they they want it to work. The other thing that I would cut. Um, in Generations, you gave Data his emotion chip, and in this movie, he can just turn it off when he wants to. <laughs> so, you, so you can have your cake and eat it too, I guess? And that is terrible. <laughs> if you've established that he's got emotions now, just give him emotions. I'm Picard face-palming it right now thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. it's... It doesn't like it felt. It feels to me like an uh, like a natural evolution of Data's character. Like you watched him through the entire series, trying to learn to be human without emotions, and now all of a sudden he's got them, and he's got to learn. He's a, he's a he's a robot that's that's never had emotions, and now suddenly he has to deal with them all the time, regardless and, of circumstances. Yeah, and he and yeah. he'll and he'll have to figure them out in weird and interesting ways. And I think that's a good evolution for Data. And yet the writers decided to take the lazy route and cop out and just make it so that Data can turn it off when he wants Yeah, to. and I think in the next two movies, they almost basically forget about it completely. Yeah, that mistaken. doesn't really come up again. Well, I mean, he's, he's pivotal at the beginning of Insurrection because his prime directive stuff gets messed up. That's not of his emotion chip, is it? But it has nothing to do with his emotion chip. No, in fact, he seems very logical throughout he, the whole thing. Does he, does he have a prime directive chip? Is that well, what yeah, that's, that's kind of what they, they sort of imply that, yeah. Like, his core, his, he's been given contradicting orders, and now he can't function because he's a robot. Because right. whoever wrote it was like, I don't know, he's a robot guy. How do we deal with robots? Uh, we just give him something confusing, and then they blow up. Yeah. <laughs> Star Everything Star he Star says Trek. is a lie. Yeah. He's lying, lying right now. Yeah, Star, Star Trek does yeah. like that logic loop. The verbal, the verbal kung fu to defeat robots. Also, when did Data become bulletproof? Because I remember in the TV series, he got stabbed with a pitchfork once. Yeah. And it killed yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And it killed him. Yeah. It straight yes. killed him. Yeah. So when did he get bulletproof? Did he get I mean, like... Probably after the pitchfork incident, I assume. <laughs> did, they, did they like vulcanize him after that? <laughs> <laughs> and yet they're able to drill into his head later on. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> they're not even consistent in the same no, movie. in the same oh. film. And the data, the data, data is probably the C plot in this, if you want yeah. to put that. And it's weird. Yes. <laughs> I would cut Super a weird. lot of that. It would make so much more sense to have Picard in that position the entire time, and would have been a much more interesting tête-à-tête with the Queen. Yeah, you know what? And this might be kind of tipping our or dipping our toe into into changes territory, but having having Riker and Data leading the two main plots. So having Data down on the planet trying to get the uh, the Phoenix flight going, having Riker being all beardy on the ship shooting Borg. And then the question of whose side is he on beat Picard. Holy crap. Oh man. Yeah, I just <laughs> like that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> because then if the if the Borg Queen has okay, fine, we'll keep the Borg Queen, has Picard, and there's some question of, oh God, he's gonna go Lacutus on us and we're doomed. Like that's a that's, way more will he, won't he? And that's there's so much more emotional weight to that yeah. than than with uh, yeah. and you can still have Picard have his big hero moment where he's like, No, never, I will never be a Borg again. You've I, I've defeated you before. I'll defeat you again. You can re-trigger his PTSD, so you can actually make him into the, a more unstable emotional sure, person. Sure, why not? Like, yeah, wow, man, that would have been so much better. That, now I'm again, sad. kind of dipping our toe into changes territory. <laughs> I'm but. sad that I didn't get that film. <laughs> well, why don't we uh, head into break and then we'll get to the the bigger changes. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get through our PTSD about this film <laughs> and uh, have Lily talk us down, and then we'll be back with some changes. Try to fix this movie. If you enjoy I Have Some Notes, you might consider enjoying some other podcasts, including the Well Endowed Podcast. Edmonton is full of passionate people dedicated to building a vibrant community. The Well Endowed Podcast explores the impact that these municipal champions are having on our city. You can find episodes at thewellendowedpodcast.com.
And we're back talking about Star Trek First Contact. And uh, we've <laughs> mostly talked about stuff we would like to cut from this film. A lot of stuff, yeah. Uh, but now we're actually going to put our heads together, try to salvage a better movie out of this mess, this this like B or C television episode. I, I wish the audience I could even... see uh, Evan's face. <laughs> He's so crestfallen. He looks so concerned. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of a way to fix this short of, of excising like two-thirds of it. Now, during the break, we actually do take a short break. It's not like we stop the podcast and then restart it and then just carry on. We actually took like five, ten minutes to regroup, and Evan admitted that he hates the movie more now having talked about it. <laughs> I wasn't super fond of it. I had beefs. I had notes. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, too. Oh, yeah, there's that. And, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched it because I, I, I happened – this is really serendipitous. I happened to rewatch it just for no reason, really, um, like three weeks ago. Right. And Greg was like, hey, we're doing one on First Contact. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I, just... I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of the nature of, of film criticism. Is it's just like, you know, you, your your job is to critique, and, and part of critiquing is looking at what is wrong with it, and and sort of maybe negative feel, fuels negative, and the more you, the more you yeah. dive into what's wrong with something, the more you pull out. So we should hedge everything with, this did make bank. Yeah. <laughs> it was a successful film by all accounts. The reviews are even not that bad and as far as I know. a lot of people generally consider it to be the best of the next generation. And that's movies. why we want that. I, I actually agree with that. I think, oh, it, is, I think easily, it is. It's which pretty, is a damning indictment yeah. <laughs> of the rest of the TNG movies, <laughs> actually. I, I really like Insurrection as well, but mostly because it feels like a long episode. Yeah, and I've, I mean, I've heard that a lot, too, uh, with people saying that Insurrection is the most... Trekky of the TNG yeah. film. I love the if other it, if it wasn't it. if it wasn't for that joystick. <laughs> that is a CH Products F sixteen flight stick, as I recall. I had one at the time. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's my joystick." I'm like, "Guys, make it look like a future joystick at least." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks like I played. Off looks like I played droll with that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is a whole other film. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, changes to so, Star Trek First yeah, Contact. Changes to Star Trek First Contact. So I'll 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 start us off here with uh, a fairly significant change, and it's not the facetious change of just don't make this movie, which I very seriously considered opening with. <laughs> start again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> assuming that we want to keep a lot of the movie intact, I think that they missed an opportunity by having the Defiant in the opening scene. And I think that the Defiant shouldn't have been commanded by Worf. I think Worf should have been on the Defiant, but I think the Defiant should have been commanded by Benjamin Lafayette Sisko. Oh, damn. And it should have had Jadzia Dax and Chief O'Brien on board oh, as well. Man. And they should have been in this movie. And I'm going to tell you why. Worf is in the movie. We don't need to discuss why Worf is here. We want to bring Worf back for the ensemble because it's the TNG cast. Yeah. Great. You have Chief O'Brien back because he was a bit player in TNG. And if you're having your victory lap with Nurse Ogawa and Lieutenant Barkley, why not have Chief O'Brien there? Mm -hmm. He can have a couple jokes about how he used to stand around in the transporter room for hours. He can have an argument with Jordy. <laughs> transports in this film, basically. Yeah. He can have an <laughs> argument with Jordy, and Jordy can be like, oh, I liked you better when you just ran the transporter instead of trying mm -hmm. to get all up in my engineering. That's an insurrection joke. There would have been there would have been some, some fun to have there. Uh, Jadzia Dax is... 200 years old. So she can talk about, she can be a character who, if you're in this time travel plot, can have lived through that. She can have the lived in past. So rather than just have a bunch of characters talking about, oh, I read about this in a museum, she can be like, I met Zephram Cochran. Yeah. Like 10 Easy. years after yeah. first contact. She can be the person who talks about how different he was. She can have some great character moments between Troy and Worf and Dax, because now Dax mm. is in a relationship with Worf at you're this right, point at in Deep point. Space Nine. Yeah. And then she and Troy can dish about Worf and how he snores or something. That would be funny. And it would be a fun little Toss character Riker beat for, that mix too. for Worf. Exactly. And then you have. Cisco. What is Cisco's thing? Cisco's thing is that he was at the Battle of Wolf 359. Locutus of Borg murdered his wife, and he hates Picard. Yeah. He hates him. And he built a ship. He designed a ship to fight the Borg. Why wouldn't he be in command of that ship at the fight with the Borg, number one? Number yeah. two, 
you're setting up a huge, great interaction between him and Picard in this movie. And imagine if rather than having Lily be the one who Picard is sounding off on, he goes off against Cisco, and Cisco's the guy who has to talk him off the ledge. Right. Benjamin Cisco, the guy who doesn't like Picard, who has every reason to hate Lacutus and the Borg for having murdered his wife. And Avery being, Brooks who could chew up scenery being at the same the level. sensible one. And you have Avery Brooks and Patrick Stewart chewing the Ugh. scenery together. This is a huge missed opportunity. I'm angry now. <laughs> this is a huge missed opportunity. And you don't need the entire Deep Space Nine cast there. There's no, no reason to have Dr. Bashir along. There's no reason to have Odo or Kira there. Quark, you certainly man. don't need Quark there. But Chief O'Brien, Dax, Worf, and Cisco would have been a huge benefit to this movie. And there you could have been, had that story. And there could have been yeah. some great character beats, and you could have had a better Borg movie at the very least out of it, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's my big change is bring in some more of the DS9 cast. Now in this version, who never got a film, he never did get a film yeah. either. So in this version that you're concocting, um, are, are they still? I guess we're still time time traveling, correct? Well, and and again, my preface was: I'm assuming that we're kind of keeping the overall main plot. So keep the premise. We're fighting there. the Borg. And we've traveled back in time. Yeah. Fine. I I the way I picture it is that you have Dax down on the surface helping deal with Cochrane and trying to get the flight going because she's also a science officer mm-hmm. and because we have data up on the ship. Mm-hmm. And then because Worf is on the ship, you have a little bit of character dynamic there because she's a little worried that the guy she wants to like be in bed with and get married to is up on the ship fighting Borg. She doesn't know if he's alive. So you've got a little bit of tension there. Um, you've got probably, you have to have Picard and Cisco together. You have to. You have to have Picard and Cisco together. <laughs> they never got enough time together. They never did. And that is a huge, huge shame. And this would have been a great opportunity for them, opportunity for them to bury the hatchet. Something that never happened in the series. Yeah. Um, and then probably you have Chief O'Brien down on the planet surface as well. Oh, totally. Joking around with Jordy and Barkley and being all Chief O'Brien-y. Because Calmini is also great. I would love so, him arguing with Jordy over things. Yeah. And Jordy legitimately be like, didn't you used to just run the transporter? <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to imagine, like, uh, my brain is sort of, like, racking through, like, the machinations of, of, uh, of uh, um, how the interplay between Cisco and, uh, and Picard would work. Like, uh, you know, are we basically sort of like deleting, uh, data as sort of like one of the B plots in this instance? Is he, is he sort of like. You could probably keep that. Uh, you, I, you know, cause you like, here's the thing to, is like, but... I hate all of that shit. <laughs> oh, I yeah, hate, it's not good. I don't, I don't like. <laughs> and you uh, know what? You probably could do away with it. I, yeah. I think you Go get rid of the queen completely. Just the, the Enterprise has a virus. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe data, oh my God. data could be the damsel in distress. Like having this. having the Borg having like taken over the ship's main computer and having Major Barrett like Borging at them. <laughs> oh, that would have been so <laughs> good. Be and they're fighting the Enterprise itself. Was she yes. cool? Was Faceless. she kind of sick at this point, or no? I that, don't no, not at this believe point. so. No, oh, okay. That came a little later. It, I think. Yeah, it was pretty quick, as I recall. Yeah, but I can, I can see. You take some of the tension between Worf and Picard and the tension between Lily and Picard and you give that all to Cisco. Yeah. And and you maybe they go to blows. Maybe they do. But I can I can I can see Cisco saying, blow up the damn ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just such a different point of view of the Borg. And, and it, of Picard. And it gives it and and because he's init- he would certainly initially be antagonistic to the to Picard and to the Borg. Right. Yeah. So for him to be the one who who first comes around and is like you've gone too far. You need to you need to step step off and be the one talking Picard down like that's a huge reminding him of the Federation and, yeah. and who he should Like he that's wants a to be. huge moment. Yeah. And it's and it's a moment that we we maybe should have gotten in the relationship between those characters in the series and never got. And this would have been a great opportunity to have it. And again, yeah. Avery Brooks and Patrick Stewart chewing the scenery <laughs> together. Holy crap! It would have brought the house down. Because that that scene in the emissary when he's on the Enterprise talking to Picard, you could slice that tension with a knife. Yeah, like and this I is never the face. As a kid, I never the, I never got that. This is the face of the monster who murdered his wife. Yeah, who killed friends and uh, crewmen, destroyed his career. Who who upended his career yeah. and left his son like motherless and. They never really resolved that no. in the show, and for them to be able to do it here would have been would have been huge. Yeah, it it was a big cool. missed opportunity. I feel if you're bringing, that's why I th- think my big change. If you're bringing in the Defiant, go whole hog. 
bring in more of the DS9 cast and let them play with the TNG crew a little bit. Yeah. Let them have an adventure together. The other thing I would like to see um, is for the time travel to be like an accident. Because I I, I can buy the Borg uh, (laughs) jump, you know, trying to take Earth again. But just getting stuck and getting sucked in with them, as opposed to being more deliberate about it. Oh, well, I don't, I don't like, I don't like this, like the whole plot where, where they're like they fight their way to Earth and then they just time travel. Like you don't need, like it's time travel. It's why just why time not time travel, travel before yeah, and then go to wherever Earth. you just time or, travel? Or wherever. why not time travel to a thousand years ago rather yeah. than right that moment? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it just doesn't like like for the time travel to just to to be some sort of holy holy accident you know it doesn't have to it doesn't even I have can to think happen of a, at earth you, you know they could be fighting the borg in, a, in some sort of crazy nebula and then something happens i can or, think of a real of a reason for it right now the borg use transwarp tunnels conduits the yeah. uh, borg sphere goes to escape enterprise opens fire on it something goes wrong quantum torpedoes, quantum torpedoes exactly. <laughs> exactly quantum torpedoes cause some timey-wimey stuff to happen the yeah. borg end up in the past the enterprise follows there you go i just fixed your script <laughs> i just fixed your script and ignore the first contact stuff and it, make it all about a a deck by deck battle well and you can still have the first contacting though when the borg or when they happen to end up where they are when they happen to end up where they are the borg are like oh well we'll just like assimilate earth now because yeah. we're here anyway and then we'll get in touch with the rest of the Borg and have them show up and sweep through the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. And they're like, we need to stop this problem, and also we can't mess up the timeline, yeah. so we have to make sure that this first contact thing happens. I, I would also like to change the uh, the introduction of the Borg. Now, we know that the Borg are, uh, it's a big, scary cube ship, right? <laughs> yes. And, and, and um, we're, all, we're all quite familiar with it. I th- I think what would be really interesting is instead of having like um the the enterprise sort of relegated to um uh patrolling the neutral zone just in case the Romulans do we'll something take advantage of it right I think it would be far more interesting if um we get sort of like a, like an Independence Day type of of run up to like something weird is coming towards Earth mm. and instead of instead of one of these spheres. A shitload of them. So now it's it's like a, it's just like this wall of like these little sphere ships heading to yeah. yeah. And it's like so like it, so it's something different. But like when it when it becomes sort of like suddenly it becomes obvious that these are like the the signatures of the ship are like Borg signatures and stuff like well, that. And that's kind of like what they did in and, in and the then they episode. and then they radio the Enterprise for help and the and the Enterprise like just books it back. All, all, you know, all Federation ships in the area have to book it back. Hence, the Defiant uh, makes yeah. its way back, right? I, and I kind of like the idea of seeing, um, you know, uh, Starfleet react to um, this sort of danger in that sort of um, Roland Emmerich type way, you know, like just like the <laughs> like a whole bunch of speaking parts where all these different officers are like trying to figure out what's a going bunch on, bridges, a bunch of different bridges, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that would be a lot have of fun. a good time with that. Yeah. That would be fun. I I always I'm always sad, and Discovery is is very guilty of this. They don't show a lot of yeah. the other ships and the other things going on deliberately. Yeah. I know, but it it creates a sense of mystery. But I love it when you can like see like there's they someone put a lot of thought into this and and create backstory that. I guess like Pacific Rim, the first. Yeah, one that's one thing that like Star Trek's never really done a great job of is sort of like um, uh, helping you understand the, the larger machinations. Like, now, <laughs> D Space Nine definitely like helps with that quite oh, a bit, sure. but uh, the main the main shows have always they've kind of kept like like Starfleet sort of like a, a you know somewhat mysterious like how the whole a little how Earth works. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's about the people in the ship. And, yeah, yeah. I think they've stayed off Earth because. Earth is supposed to be a paradise, and like nobody really knows how to write a paradise. Like you know, so like it's, it's not good. Yeah, it makes it difficult. <laughs> it's boring. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah, boring. It's boring. The if rise you of problem. A, yeah, <laughs> it's boring if you want to have uh, interesting conflict. Yeah, which once Gene Roddenberry died, we got tons of. Well, yeah, because one of Gene Roddenberry's overriding principles was that interpersonal conflict was done away with in the future. Yeah. So the people on board... humans. Yeah, so humans don't really have any reason to, like, fight with one another and uh, fail to realize that, you know, tension and conflict are integral to the life stories. (laughs) of story. Yes. (laughs) Such a writing nightmare. I I, kudos for the the vision, but the, the practicalities of it hit the wall, as we saw in the first three seasons of... TNG. Indeed. <laughs> uh, if I were to change something on this, I think, because I, I really like the lore, I really like um, really like 
playing around with with fleshing out chunks of canon, I would have gone with just a time travel story to First Contact, where them arriving causes something to happen that means that they have to make sure it still goes off without a hitch. Sure. And explore that a little bit more. So and, more like a, a Voyage Home type movie than uh, yeah, yeah, than a Wrath of Khan action-y movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe incorporate the Guardian of Forever because that that's severely underused for obvious plot reasons. Uh, but it would be cool to like, you know, because on the Guardian planet, when the timeline changes, they stay where they are. So you play with that idea, and then you you toss them back, or maybe find a big Guardian and throw a ship through it. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry, Guardian. You're gonna have to explain that. The Guardian of Forever in it's the original the, series. It's that the time travel. Yeah, that stone fruit loop circle. That oh, causes um, time travel in TOS. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the What's the episode called again? Um, um, City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Harlan Ellison. Yeah. 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 That was <laughs> a good angry. episode. Harlan Ellison. Uh, so the late great Harlan Ellison. Yes. Uh, but to, to have him to, to to be able to to really dive into that first contact thing and the importance of humanity discovering they're not alone and how yeah. that unites again kind of a Roland Emmerich thing where where you you see humanity coming together um, in in the face of seeing of having to fight a, one common foe well to fight, yeah in this case to 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 realize that but but yeah that's where you turn turn that idea on its head yeah. they're coming together because they realize they're not alone yeah because yeah. that's that was the seminal moment of the four, uh, that launches everything. That we've seen since then, what the Federation and everything yeah. else. Yeah, and Enterprise dives in a lot on this stuff, obviously. Yeah, but it would I, it, be... that's a. It is definitely an interesting um, um, avenue to explore, and something that wasn't has never really been explored in Star Trek uh, <laughs> so far. So yeah, it, like having a movie that's sort of like just dedicated to First Contact would be really interesting. Um, I don't know if it would make any money whatsoever. No, it's like a three part <laughs> three part made for TV <laughs> miniseries event. <laughs> yeah, that would have been okay too. I yeah. would I would have been fine with that's, Star Trek coming back as a miniseries. That's, okay, well, that's what Roddenberry tried to do with the original series back in the day. Yeah, before he, they were talking about first there was there was a couple ideas and they eventually became Phase Two, which then became the motion yeah. picture. But before that, they talked about doing like made for TV movies essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they and then end up with an animated series eventually. Yeah. Now uh, you've pitched. What if we just did a time travel plot? What if we swing the pendulum all the way back the other way? What? How could we make this work if it was just a Borg plot? Get Lakitus back in there. Late, <laughs> no, late uh, Borg nanites take do, over. Do the no, thing where <laughs> where Picard is the is the will he won't he will he won't he be a Borg again? Yeah. Will he betray or not? Can he fight this off or rather not? Than, rather than Data. Because I don't know what we touched on in the first part. I yeah. feel like the writers didn't know what to do with Data. No, but how is it... How's it wait, 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 wait. How does that work, uh, Picard having to decide whether to be a Borg or well, not? Well, no, it's not, it's not whether Picard is choosing that. It's the rest of the crew wondering if that's the case. Because in... Oh, whether they can trust him or not. Yeah. Because they think... Oh, because he's hearing voices and shit like that. So they think he might be... And maybe even have him have like a relapse or like a... Or, or, or he gets carried off by the Borg Queen. And so now there's some question of, oh, they're just going to make him into a Borg again and we're all going to be doomed. Right. So the the question is not like we're not concerned for for Picard, but there is dramatic irony because the crew is concerned. Right. Whether he will turn. <laughs> oh no, not again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but but more than that, like, how do you flesh out the rest of the plot if you're yeah. just making the Borg story? I don't know if the plot. It, I mean, it's bas- you're basically playing with an idea of best of both worlds too. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, I suppose. Like yeah. a more direct sequel. So the- I, I feel like okay. So if we, you're we, this movie's getting really dense. The more we talk about it, because like we've got, <laughs> we've not only we not only we got Borg time travel plus Cisco. No, 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 no. We're not. This <laughs> is different alternatives. Yeah, th- <laughs> this is because uh, Evan had suggested just doing a time travel. Right, right. right. I'm I'm saying how do we make it into a, a fully fleshed out movie with gotcha. just the well, Borg? I think you have to take a cue from Insurrection then. Which is cut the Enterprise off from everything else that's going on. That would make sense, especially if you want to have the running like deck by deck battle with the Borg. Yeah, which I feel like is the, it was the more interesting part of this whole thing, and trying to figure out what the Borg's goals are as they're as they're doing this, and why they, you know, like the, it was interesting how they stopped at like deck thirteen. Yeah, because they had other things they needed to deal with at that point. Yeah, with, you know, the multiplexing beacon crap, techno babble, techno babble. Um, Can they sort of just like find like a? Um Thinking, finding uh, a cube or finding, finding a cube that's sort yeah. of like destroyed, just hanging out in like some shitty nebula somewhere, and they're I mean, just exploring. They just why they not s- keep exploring the the independence virus? Because that's what I was always bothered that that we see in um, uh, what's it called the the two parter 
with the Borg. Oh, the Descent. Yeah, Descent. I always forget the name. I always want to say Gambit, and that's a different two-parter. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in Descent, you, you, you see that the Borg are starting to fracture. And as far as we're concerned from when we saw Descent, this is what the Borg is now. Yeah. Like, they're broken. Yeah. Severely. Um, they, they hint that, that they were, like, kind of, like, culled out of the collective when the Borg realized what was going on. But why not put those two in, into direct conflict? Where you have that happening, and then you have the Enterprise stuck in the middle. Ooh. Ooh. So you have, you have uh, <laughs> what, what a Borg if, versus if... Rogue Borg with the Enterprise stuck in the middle. Yeah. Oh, yeah Deciding, cool. you know, do, do we hate them all? Do we, are the independent Borg okay? Or, you know... What are, I kind of like this. I like this idea that you're going down, where like the the the, the we actually use the cannon and like oh, now, God forbid. Yeah. Now imagine. Now imagine that we take. Uh, so the the Borg have been broken, but now we actually have a reason to have a queen because the queen is yes, the per- much like Lore was trying to do with them. Yeah. He she finds a way of uniting them and and sort of like making them stronger. So the the rogue Borg have a queen figure. Yeah. While the collective itself is it's trying to stamp this, this, yeah, and, and, and then we reconcile this. the differences between the Borg that we see in various times. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Also, the Queen has has an instant reason to hate the ever loving shit out of Picard. Yes, because they're responsible for the Borg being the way that they are. I'm sending this episode to Ronald B. Moore. <laughs> I, this is this is good stuff. Guys, so I'm not gonna lie. I want to see this movie. <laughs> Right, and then we can, and then you know, we could still do like the whole like uh, Cisco stuff if you wanted to do that, or it could be just Much like like you say, like a yeah. like a like a deck by deck thing works for me too without the time travel at all. I would I would actually like that quite a bit better. But yeah, using using the existing canon and to and to make that an excuse for having a, a board queen works for yeah, me. Yeah, I was uh, always really disappointed that that the the stuff in Descent was never like pursued past. Oh, lore's gone. The end. You could even <laughs> yeah. you could even have uh, this would even be an excuse for them to turn lore back on. Yes, potentially, like a Borg lore. Yeah, they do <laughs> well, like they... well, not not a, necessarily a Borg lore, but because they if they need more information on how the rogue Borg work because they're right. fighting the queen, <laughs> uh, who who knows better about how the rogue Borg work than the guy who was their queen originally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. who is lore. And they've oh, probably yeah. still got his pieces kicking around. So you could turn on his head or something. <laughs> sure. And, and then, then Brent Spiner gets the juice scenery too. And you can. And, but he's he and already you set got up, the emotion chip. He doesn't. Nec- we don't necessarily. Well, that would be an interesting lore. thing too. We never really saw. Plus, if that. lore if lore gets brought back and he gets uh, and he ends up as a loose end in this movie, you've got a built in sequel. <laughs> yeah. We, we've done some episodes where we've come up with a lot of different versions of a movie, but this has to be so the most diversified. <laughs> well, part of the reason is because we want to... We want to. We desperately want this to be a good film. <laughs> but not just that, but we want to separate the two different halves of the film into a sure. separate time travel and separate board yeah, movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and the only way to reconcile that is to make two different movies. Totally. <laughs> I disagree on Lore. I, I don't want to see him again. Yeah, I don't enough. care. And, and his plot did kind of come to an yeah, end in the show, yeah, but then yeah. one could argue... The plot of TNG kind of came to an end in the show yes, as well. It sure did. It was probably one of the most perfect se- series finales I've ever seen. And then they threw it all away with the movies. <laughs> Ugh, generations. <laughs> well, we do have a beautiful dog's breakfast of different options for listeners to choose from. Tell us which one you like best. Uh, speaking of listeners, we should actually uh, hear from some of them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we do always, of course, solicit for some uh, suggestions or thoughts from you, our devoted listeners uh and uh you can if if you've never gotten in on the note having you absolutely can you can follow us on twitter facebook and instagram of course we will let you know what movie is coming on next you can get your notes read on the show if uh they are randomly selected out of a hat and some of the ones that we selected for this time include uh long time listener first time not first time writer nathan martin (laughs) Uh, writes, first contact, I actually enjoyed. Uh, I liked seeing them go back in time and also seeing Picard get all aggro with hate on for the Borg. Uh, the flick also felt like you didn't need to see the show to enjoy it. The Rock is, of course, perfect, as always. <laughs> and although you never did see the human skin again on Data, uh, which I, I believe he says is a negative, he wanted to see that human skin on Data in the future. So <laughs> he did kind of. This is the thing with first contact. On the surface, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're a Trek yeah. fan, it is not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's bang on when he says it felt like you didn't need to see the show to enjoy it That's because exactly they it. completely ignored the show to make this movie. Uh, Darwin One Eleven. 
that's at Darwin111, says, uh, everything on the planet is ass, and so tonally different. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> it might as well be a different movie. Uh, doesn't shake Frake's experience as a TV director and lacks scope. Uh, and that, that may be fair. Uh, everybody involved in the production of this movie are TV people. It's a in very incestuous film in its production. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And uh, not all of them had a lot of film or any, I think at this point, film experience. And maybe Stewart's probably it. Kinda, yeah. Certainly, none of the none of the production people like the direct Frakes. I don't think had directed. I think that was sort of the same with Next Generation too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Generations they went right into after they wrapped. Um, yeah. Um, best of not best of both worlds. Yeah, they, <laughs> didn't, they never they didn't really strike the sets. No, they just like they went just, into production. But they got a different the cinematographer, movie. which is why it looks so different. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Josh from Press Start to Join podcast uh, says Android with the sensation of touch is uncomfortable with the erotic touch they seem to give it. Also, <laughs> magnet boot fight in zero G is always cool. Ah, we do agree with that. Yeah, uh, yep, that was one of the cool. things we kind of wanted to keep. Stephanie Chan writes, I wish it was less forgettable so I could remember enough to comment. <laughs> uh, and uh, while this wasn't a listener comment, uh, David Ma did link us to a thread in the Star Trek Reddit by user WebDude. And uh, we kind of agreed that this was actually a pretty good take on the film. Uh, uh, he says, the Borg were a whole lot scarier without a queen. The queen was a person that you could actually have a discussion with. You probably couldn't change her mind, but she could at least explain the why to you. That gives some hope that you could enter into negotiations with the Borg before they devoured your planet. But without a queen, the Borg are essentially unapproachable. There's no one you can even try to negotiate with. No point of direct attack other than to face the entire soulless massive collective in one all-or-nothing offensive. And... We kind of all agree with that. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. The Borg were scarier when they were a decentralized collective. Uh, Yeah. Rather than when they had one person that you could shoot and then they all died. Everyone dies. That was weird. The the first Borg episode, which was it called Q-Who? Is that yes, the one? yes, yes, yeah. um, I don't know why that name, that title doesn't seem to apply to that episode at all. But well, Q is in the episode, I know, <laughs> but Doctor Who isn't. <laughs> uh, but that, like that, to me, was the scariest that the Borg ever were. Yes. they were just like it was a, it was unstoppable. A, it was a threat that the that the Enterprise could not handle at all. And, and Q even points he out, says that right at the beginning. Yeah. Why? Like there, there's no one to negotiate with. They're technologically superior to you. You are you are like ants to them. Yeah, like you are barely worth and their you have notice. Guinan giving a little bit of like like this is not good. Yeah, fun fact. You they know you're here now. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg was not asked to be in Star Trek: First Contact, uh, and found out about that through the news. Oh no! And uh, was a little surprised because, of course, Guinan. The character had a huge backstory with the Borg, and for them to do this big Borg blow-off yeah. movie oh, and her great. not to have been invited, she was a little surprised by yeah. it. Yeah. That's too and bad. she was all over Generations. Like, she was a pivotal character in Generations. Yeah. Yeah. So it was... So uh, do a film. And she often acted as uh, Picard's uh, like a conscience, conscience as well. Yeah, a counselor, yeah. 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 Which would have been relevant in the storyline that they were telling. Yeah, you could almost replace Lily with Guinan for mm-hmm. good chunks of the yeah. pivotal parts. Yeah. Or Cisco. Nice. Or Cisco. I really, I still really like that, and I'm even more angry at the film for not <laughs> for not doing that. But yeah, the Queen. The the writer said, and they admit that that the Queen is problematic. <laughs> but they said because they couldn't figure out a way to make an antagonist that was that faceless for and and maintain tension for like two hours essentially, which, as Scott said, that's just lazy writing. Kind of lazy writing. <laughs> Yeah, work harder. I mean, I mean, do a different movie. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you can't Maybe that's resolve not the way the you problem, do that. Yeah, <laughs> rather than retcon, I have, I have an everything. Idea. I have an idea. Bring back those those neck bugs. <laughs> Remember the yeah, neck the, bugs? Yeah, they bugs. were coming. Yeah, they were supposed to come back to the Federation. They never did. Uh, uh, they uh, they do in the novels. If you uh, want to yeah. get into oh, like the no, sea, no, cannon. we don't. We don't want to do that. The sea cannon. Yeah, <laughs> the new novels apparently. The discovery novels are a canon. Apparently. Sure. Oh, boy. We'll get into this when yeah, we get to our next thing. episode. I quite enjoyed the one I read. Uh, before we get into our next episode, though, uh, as we wrap up our first contact, Evan, is there anything uh, you've got going on right now that you want to let our listeners in on? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I often say the exact same thing. I, I, I'm busy doing my job <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> 
can they come see you do your job? Are, you, uh, are I mean, they allowed to just be a spectator? Yeah, you can stand world behind me and watch me manipulate, manipulate tables in business intelligence tools <laughs> and try to figure out why my databases well, don't sounds work. great. I well, yeah, someone someone else should be excited about it because I guarantee you I'm not the only one. And if I am, I'm not being paid enough. <laughs> Greg, do you have anything else going on right now? No, I don't. This is the bo- most boring listener plug slash or, uh, guest plug session we've ever had. Well, then I'll do a guest plug for each of the guests on the show right now. Sure, you do. Uh, Evan, do you like reading books? I do like reading books. Well, I've got good news because my wife and I also like reading books. And we have a podcast about it. Oh. It's called The Read Along, and it is a mini book club for your ears. Ooh. And uh, every week we go and uh, we're, we read a novel uh, one, chapter a a time, <laughs> no, one chapter at a time. No, one chapter at a time. And it's it's a super low-pressure book club where every week we read a chapter, we discuss the chapter on our podcast, and uh, then we read another chapter. We're just about to start a new book, so now's a good jumping-on point. What's the book? Uh, we are going to be reading The Word is Murder by Anthony Horowitz. We are literally beginning probably after or before this episode comes out, actually, so <laughs> it's something we will have just started, uh, so it's a good jumping-on point for that. Greg, do you like comedy? I love to laugh. Excellent. Because I've got another podcast called What About? And it's uh, done with the fine folks at Rapid Fire Theater. And it is an improvised comedy podcast. And you should check that out as well. What About Improv on Twitter at What About Improv. You know what else you can follow on Twitter? You can follow I Have Some Notes on Twitter. Uh, also on Facebook and Instagram. We're at I Have Some Notes on all of those uh, platforms. If you like the show, rate us. Review us on iTunes. That, uh, that's a big help for us. Alberta Podcast Network has some other great shows, too. Sure we're, a, we're a great and uh, proud supporter of the uh, Alberta Podcast Network. We've been with them for some time. Uh, we want to continue being with them. And uh, we like everyone else on that network, including Makeshift Stories, which is a bi-weekly journey into the improbable with original speculative fiction, sci-fi, and fantasy stories for all ages. Uh, Makeshift Stories explores space, time, alternate realities, alternate histories, the near future, and, of course, the unexplained. It is, if you will, a Star Trekky podcast, so very appropriate for us to bring up Absolutely, on this particular yeah. episode. Our show and others from the network are being broadcast on G-Radio. You can find it at gradio.ca. You can also find our episodes on the CKUA app. Download it now from the Apple App Store. We also post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now. Uh, for our next Side Notes episode, where we will be discussing canon, and then our next full episode, which will be our season finale, will be our greatest challenge to date as we delve into Justice League. Oh, oh don't boy. do that. No, we're, we're doing it. I thought you reviewed mediocre films, not the actual destruction of my childhood films. Well, we also like films that... Uh, Good uh, SEO. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I understand completely. <laughs> keep your ears open for that. And in the meantime, Greg, keep watching the skies. The trailer's not good. No, no, it's it's one of those old trailers, like the yeah. like with the movie voice guy and like yeah. And they used and footage. It, the first trailer had footage from generations and like from the series. Oh, did it really? Yeah. Oh, they were like, oh, we don't have any visual effects yet, so <laughs> just a bunch of explosions. It was. <laughs> and generations reuse reuse Star Trek. <laughs> that would be amazing. I assume the next JJ Abrams one will have a trailer like that.